Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read our theme verse. We're in a series called Just Show Up. Just show up. We're learning that we're supposed to show up, right? God's called us to show up. We can show up with our questions, our care and compassion. We can show up with our story. We can show up with our prayer. We can show up with our generosity. Our theme verse for the series is found in Romans. And I just want to lay a foundation with this verse. And I want everyone to say this with me. Let's read it together out loud. All of you online as well. Here's what it says. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? In other words, what it's telling us is that people aren't going to get saved unless somebody shows up to tell the story. But people won't show up unless they're sent. So there are senders and there are goers. And God's really called us to be both. He's called us to show up and share our story. But he also uses us in our generosity That's why we have this missions flyer. It's a chance for us as a church to gather collectively, to begin to pray, to to go on short-term mission trips. There's information in there. Or to make a pledge above our tithe to say, this year I'm going to commit a certain amount to missions so that as a church together, we can send the word and people can be transformed and people can be changed. So I want you to close your eyes today. Those of you joining us, why don't you do the same? Holy Spirit, we welcome you now and we say, have your way in this place. God, I'm desperate because if I just talk, Lord, we'll leave and nothing will happen. But if your spirit will speak through these words that I share, God, we will leave knowing we have heard from God. So speak to us. In fact, say that. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. So today I want to do this. I want to take a story in the New Testament, and this story is of a miracle of Jesus. Jesus did all kinds of miracles. There are all kinds of miracles that we find in Scripture, but there is only one story outside of the resurrection that is repeated in all four Gospels, and that is the story of the feeding of the 5,000 men. And I want to say that it wasn't 5,000 people, it was 5,000 men. Most historians believe that there was somewhere between 20 and 30,000 people in the crowd because they only counted the men. And when you add the the wives and you add the children, it could have easily been 20, maybe 30,000 people. This story was so significant that it was told in every gospel. And so today I want to kind of take this story and I want to give you the, you know, the, 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 what is those, uh, the, the yellow books that have the, The Cliff Notes, thank you very much. Somebody was paying attention, somebody was thinking for me. Cliff Notes, I want to give you the quick Cliff Notes of the story, and then we'll dive in and learn some principles. Jesus had heard about John the Baptist, his cousin being killed. His head had been chopped off by Herod. He knew that Herod was going to be wanting to meet with him, and he didn't want to cause controversy. He needed to grieve. His disciples had just come back from doing their first missions trip. He'd sent them out to preach and do miracles. And so he tells them, let's get in a boat, let's go to the other side of the the Sea of Galilee, and let's grieve and let's rest. So as they get in the boat, everybody sees Jesus leave, and they figure out where he's going, and when he arrives on the shore, there are thousands of people that are coming to him. And what happens is, is he preaches to them, he's filled with compassion, he ministers, he heals them, he preaches, and as the day goes on, it gets late, and they're hungry, and so they decide to feed the people, but all they had was a couple of fish and a few pieces of bread that a little boy had given. 
Jesus took that and he multiplied it and he fed 20,000 people. How many know that is an awesome miracle? So what I want to do today is I want to tear this story apart a little bit and I want to just draw some things out that God has been saying to me through this story of how you and I can show up. And I want to give you point number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, notes, go ahead and write this down. Here we go. Point number one is this. You ready? Show up hungry. Everybody say that with me. Show up hungry. Let's read in the story. Now, I'm going to share from Luke and Mark, and I'm going to reference John, because the story is told in four Gospels, and we see a little bit, uh, uh, some of the details from different parts of the story and different authors. It says this, but the crowd, they found out where Jesus was going, and they followed him. When he got out of the boat, he was supposed to be resting, but instead he was moved with compassion, so he welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. You know, as I thought about this story, I discovered there are basically two things we know about this story. The first thing we know, and it's a practical thing, is that people were physically hungry. How many here have ever been hungry? How many of you are hungry right now? You know, we do have donuts in the lobby, just so you know. Let me ask this question. How many of you eat before service on Sunday? How many of you eat after service? How many of you eat both? Come on now. All right. How many of you eat both and a donut at church? Come on out. It's Sunday. <laughs> they were hungry. They were starving. They needed to eat. Here's the second thing we know about the story. Not only were they hungry, but number two, they were desperately in need. You see me say, Pastor Jerry, what do you mean they were in need? How do we know that? Well, the Bible says in Mark's account of the story that when Jesus saw them, he was filled with compassion and because of this compassion, he wanted to help them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell you a little bit about sheep. I actually read a book called Smell Like Sheep. And I learned a lot about sheep and about shepherding in that book. But here's one of the things I learned. Sheep, they can't feed themselves. If they're left to themselves, they'll die of hunger. Secondly, sheep can't defend themselves. I mean, what are they going to do? Use their wool? They can't defend themselves. Thirdly, they get lost if someone isn't leading them. In fact, this one's really crazy. If they fall down on their back, they can't even get up by themselves. In other words, sheep represent you and I, and that is that we need someone. We need a shepherd. And as I look at this, I started with this point because I want to I I point out something that I think is so important. You know, I went um, to a, a party that I was invited to, and it was a birthday party for this person, and I, I didn't realize that it was going to be a party with a full meal. I thought it was more of the cake and present thing. And so because of whatever reasons, I had eaten before I got there. And when I showed up, it was, you know, salsa bar, it was Mexican food, and everyone was raving about how great the food was. And the whole time I was there, all they did was try to get me to eat. But I didn't want to. You know why? Because I was full. I wasn't hungry. And as we start this story, I, I want to start by saying that, could it be that that is the description of the church? There's a lot of Christians that show up every Sunday to church, but they're really not hungry anymore because this world has given so much. They have everything that they need. They have entertainment. They have Oprah. They have Dr. Phil. 
They have entertainment. They have doctors. They have therapists. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but could it be that you and I have gotten to a place where now we really aren't hungry for the things of God anymore, and we aren't really needing God anymore because we've learned to just get whatever we need from our culture? And what I love about the story is that Jesus always responds to hunger and he always responds to need. And maybe you and I aren't walking in the fullness of what God has for us because we filled up on the wrong things when God is wanting us to fill up on the right things. You see, God wants us to come hungry. Let me show you what it says in the Bible. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed, happy, fulfilled, prosperous are those who are what? They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Oh, that we would be people who don't get so content with the things of this world that we don't need Him anymore. We get so filled up on Orange County wives, housewives, New Jersey housewives, that we don't need Him anymore. I love this verse in the Bible. It's found in Psalms chapter 37, and here's what it says. It says, I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. You know what that says? Is that when someone is hungry for God, he always fills them. So today, part of this story, part of the overall theme, theologically, of this passage is for you and I to understand that God is our provider and that he will provide what you need. God wants us to show up hungry. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to give you point number two. Point number two is this, and write this down, and that is that we need to show up willing. Show up willing. I want to read to you the story, and it's found in Mark. I'm going to read out of Mark now. Mark chapter 6 says this, late in the afternoon. Now, let me highlight that for a second. Late in the afternoon. That means it was around 3 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to a nearby farm or village and buy something to eat. But then Jesus said, and you need to underline this, no, 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 you feed them. And they're like, what? Come on, have anybody heard a moment like that? <laughs> what? Anybody remember that show where it was, what you talking about, Willis? Come on, anybody remember that? I have a feeling if they had seen that show, that's what Philip would have said. What you talking about, Willis? How in the world? With what? There's 20,000 people here. They, they, they said, with what, they ask. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And then Jesus asked another question. First he says, you feed them. And then he asks a question, which is pretty profound, and we're going to go back to this. He said, well, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. So they go back. They get back and they're like, guys, you know, we, we came talking to Jesus. Now, here, I, I'm not going to take much time on this, but I have a feeling that the reason the disciples were so concerned about the food was not so much about the people. I think they were worried about themselves because they were hungry too. And so it's late in the afternoon. And, and imagine the conversation. They're sitting around and they, Philip comes up to Peter and Andrew. He's like, hey, guys, you know, Jesus is pre still preaching. It's three o'clock. 
I mean, 12 o'clock, it went and gone. And now I'm starving. Because now think about it. They had been with Jesus on the other side of the shore. They had heard the news. They got in the boat. They came across the boat. They got off the boat. They ministered. Now it's evening. They haven't eaten all day. So they're like, well, what are we going to do? Jesus, got, we got to cut this off. He's going way too long. I mean, he's good, but nobody's that good. And so one of them is like, well, you know, Jesus loves the people. Well, yeah, yeah, he does love the people. Well, here's, I got an idea. Okay, well, what is it? Let's tell Jesus that the people are hungry. And then, you know, he cares about the people, so he'll shut it down and we can go get some food. And so that's what happens. They go to Jesus. And so they come, he comes back from the conversation. They're like, so is Jesus going to shut it down? Are we good? He's like, it didn't go well, guys. He told us we should feed them. And then he asked how much food we have. How much food do we have? So then we, we finish the story. It says, they came back and reported to Jesus, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in groups of 50 and 100. Now, first of all, it's interesting because Jesus literally has them focus on what they have. Now, what did they have? When you first read the story, I don't know about you, but when I was young and I read the story, I thought that this meant that they had five loaves of Wonder Bread because when you're young, that's what you eat. Remember how many remember ate Wonder Bread when you were little? So I'm like, well, I know it's not a lot, but five loaves of bread can go a long way, right? And they had two big old fish. I mean, that's a lot. That's, I mean, that's not bad. At least they had a little something. But let me tell you what the word loaves there means. It's a Greek word, and it means biscuit or cracker. So literally what they had, how many ever had Lunchables growing up? Come on. It was like peeling away that little plastic piece with five little crackers and two little pieces of pickled fish. That's all they had. And as I thought about this, I began to ask myself the question, why did he ask how much? When he knew that whatever they did have was not going to be enough. So why ask? And then why go make them look and stare at what they had? Have you ever thought about it? And as I began to think about it, I began to realize that what Jesus was doing is he was intentionally having them focus on what they had, which, by the way, was too small, insignificant, and not enough. Could it be that in the story, what God is trying to teach us through this is that you and I need to be people who sometimes are willing to take a look at what we have, but look at it with a different perspective? Because too many times, all we can see is that it's not enough. In fact, if you read the story, they tell Jesus, Jesus, all we have are a couple pieces of fish and we have some loaves of bread. It's not enough, not even close to feed a multitude like this. You see, what I believe was happening was Jesus was addressing the issue and the issue was this. So many people, all they can see is what they have, which the enemy tells them it's too small, it doesn't matter, but here's what God's trying to teach them. He's saying, listen, I want you to see how small you have, what little you have, because I'm trying to show you what you have when I'm in the middle of it. 
He literally lets them see the things that, and sometimes people are here today that may feel like, well, pastor, I could never serve and help God's kingdom because I, I don't have an education. I, I didn't go to school. I didn't even graduate from high school. Or, you know what? I, I, how can I give the missions? When I just make such a little bit, it's like a couple loaves of bread and a, and a, a few pieces of fish. I don't make that much. What is my $20 a month going to do? What is my $5 a month going to do? And what the enemy does is he gets you to look at what you have. And sometimes you look at what you have and you think God can't use it. But here's the big message of this story. And that's this, that God can take little and he can do much with it. You see, God is trying to teach us to show up and be willing. Now, how does the show up with willingness connect to what you just said, Pastor Jared? Well, here's what's interesting. As soon as he had this dialogue about look at what you have, because I want to change your perspective about it. Then he said, now that you know you don't have much, now that you know you have little, now I'm going to ask you to do something. Have the people sit down in groups of 50 and 100. Now let's just stop and think about that for a minute. You have 20,000 people and you have 12 men they're going to try to get those 20,000 people to break up and sit in groups of, hun- of 100. Let me ask this question. Have you ever worked with people? <laughs> Come on now. Have you ever worked with people, especially a crowd of people? Come on, how many times have you had a birthday party and everybody's in the backyard and you come on, you're like, hey guys, we're going to cut the cake, come on in. And you go back in and you're like 20 minutes later, hey guys, can you come in? We're going to cut the cake, come on, let's go. And then you come back in and 20 minutes later, you're like, guys, they already cut the cake, the ice cream, it's melting. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever worked with people? Imagine how long it took to get 20,000 people to break up into groups of 50 or 100. Let alone saying that when you do that, then I'm going to provide the food to feed them. As I begin to think about this story, here's what I believe God was trying to show them. This is, this is my interpretation of this passage. My interpretation of this passage is, first of all, God gets us to look at our, our lack, our insignificance sometimes, because he's trying to change our perspective instead of seeing the little to start to see with eyes of faith, to see that with God, he can do much. And once he gets us to that place of faith to see it, then he can get us to the place to say, okay, so now I want you, because you understand that, to be willing to follow my process. Follow my process. Are you willing to follow the process? Are you willing to serve even when you don't feel inadequate, when you feel inadequate? Are you willing to tithe when you feel like you don't make very much? Are you willing to honor someone when you don't even feel like they deserve to be honored? But because God says that we're to honor our parents or honor those who are in leadership, are you willing to honor even though you don't feel like they deserve it? In other words, are you willing to trust my process in your life? And there's a lot of people that won't walk out the process. There's a lot of people in the church that never tithe. Because all they can see is, I'll never have enough if I try to tithe. God was teaching them about the principle of willingness to say, God, I'm going to be willing to your process. Because God, listen, the process matters to God. 
Faith matters to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe that he is a rewarder of those. You must believe he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The process is important to God. And so sometimes God is trying to change our perspective to say, God, I'm going to be willing. Even though there's shortcomings, even though it's impossible, I'm going to trust your process. What process in your life have you struggled following through on because it seemed impossible? Maybe what God's trying to tell us today is that you need to show up willing. You all with me? Say amen. Here's the last part, and the last part is this, is not only do we need to show up hungry, and not only do we need to show up willing, but number three, we need to show up sharing. We need to show up sharing. I want to read to you this passage now in Mark chapter 6. Now remember, he said, you feed them, and they're like, how are we going to do that? And he's like, well, how much bread do you have? Um, go back and look, and they go back and they say, this is all we've got. It's just a couple fishes and you know, a few you know, crackers. How is this going to happen? There's no way. And he tells them, yes, go ahead. And he says, now follow my process. In faith, break up everybody into groups of 50. And then here's what he says. So Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples. Notice, and let me just say, well, let me continue on. To the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. You realize that ultimately what Jesus asked them to do, they actually did. They fed them. Because they submitted to the process. Because they were willing to trust He says, you feed them and distribute to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. Some translation says they all ate until they were satisfied or they were full. That means they were gorged. They were stuffed. Come on, anybody ever ate to that point? Y'all are lying. I only had three people raise their hand. Come on, we're going to give an altar call at the end of this service. They all ate as much as they wanted. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed that day. You know what really struck me in in this story is when Jesus looked at them and said, you feed them. And I asked myself the question, why would he say you feed them when he knew all along that he was going to provide it all? I mean, think about it. God, the Bible says, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has unlimited resources. And here's the interesting thing. He didn't need that little lunch to feed everybody. And it makes me stop and ask the question, why is it that you and I are challenged by God's word to give? Because some of us... It's like the lunch. We're given this, it feels like it's a small amount because we don't make a lot or whatever it might be. Or maybe we do make a lot, but we have a lot of bills. And so what we give, it's like a sacrifice. Why is it that God even asks us to give? I mean, think about it. God owns everything. He doesn't need your tithe. He doesn't need your $20 a month for missions. So why do we need to give our lunch? What's the big deal? If he could do it without us, why does he tell us to do it? Come on, that's a fair question. How many say amen to that? I think there are two reasons. Can I tell you the first one? Number one, because he's trying to break selfishness off our lives. 
Come on, our, our natural response is, and I think this is probably what Peter would have done if there hadn't been other disciples there to stop him. He was hungry, and here's what he would have thought. Well, you know what? This, this is a little tiny lunch, and we've got it here, and there's no way we're going to feed everybody anyway, and I'm starving, and I'm, I'm right there by Jesus. I'm his helper. I'm standing around on the outside. I have enough energy. I have to have enough energy to help him do his thing, so I'm going to eat this real quick because it doesn't matter. It's little, and it's not going to matter anyway. And really, that's where we all are. Well, God, my tithe isn't that much. The church doesn't need it. God, you have everything. God, you don't need my two hours a week to come and serve and help. Because our natural tendency is to consume what we have. I'm preaching better than your amen. Come on, you all with me. Say amen. Right? In fact, what do we teach children in kindergarten? Share. Because the first word they learn after mom is mine. (laughs) Because that's human's nature. And I think one of the reasons why God said you feed them is because he was trying to teach them to break selfishness that we all have in our lives. You all with me? The second reason that I believe that he wanted them to focus on the lunch, why he wanted them to feed them, is because, secondly, he was trying to teach them to trust that he's the provider. Now, think about it. They were going to a group of 100, and there were hundreds of groups of 100. And here's what they were going with. Remember, they committed to trust God's process. So they were going with a peace A small piece, by the way, of a cracker. Imagine what's going through their mind. And they've got a little piece of cracker. If it had been me, I would be like going slower than everybody else to see what was happening. What was God teaching them? He was teaching them, listen, guys, take what you have and trust that I will provide. They had to trust that Jesus would keep multiplying through the process. Let me give you an example. When it comes to tithing, here's what my wife and I know, that we give the 10% to the Lord first, trusting that when the next month comes, we're going to have a job, we're going to have what we need to pay our bills the rest of the month and to have what we need for the next month because what we're doing is we're trusting that he's the provider because here's the problem. Too many of us think that we're the provider. Well, I'm the breadwinner. Let me tell you something. You might be the breadwinner, but God is the bread maker. My little nephew, he went to a pizza place, and, and when he saw them, you know, making the bread, he's like, flipping on the pizza. That's what he said. He's like three years old. And so now, every time we go to pizza, we walk in, and we're like, flipping on the pizza, because God is the bread maker. The reason you have a job is because God's the bread maker, and he's let you be a bread winner because he made it for you. And what happens is, is if we're not careful, we start to think that we're the bread maker. And what God is teaching us is that we're just the bread winner. We're just blessed to get the bread. But he wants us to trust him that he'll keep making bread. 
who says, give your lunch. Because the way for you to get more lunches is to trust me by giving it away. Let me prove it to you. So the disciples were hungry. The boy was hungry. And first of all, let me just say that when they got done giving out the bread and everyone ate, everyone was satisfied. I mean, I'm telling you, this was the best fish and chips anybody had ever had. Because this was a heavenly recipe. I'm not kidding you. God is literally whipping up the fish and the chips on the spot. Come on, how many know that had to be some kind of meal? No wonder they were gorged. No wonder they were stuffed. Because if God came into your kitchen this morning and started making you a meal, how many are going, I want some seconds? That's what was happening. God is whipping up an amazing meal right there. I mean, imagine how awesome is this meal. And the Bible says that they ate until they were full. But here's what's interesting. There's a a part of this story that we forget, and it's the part where it says that Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and he multiplied it. And as I was thinking about it, this is what the Lord gave me. It's a quote. I want you to write it down, and it's simply this. God can't bless what hasn't been given, and God can't multiply what hasn't been blessed. I'm going to say it again. God can't bless what hasn't been given, and God can't multiply what hasn't been blessed. Because the boy gave his lunch, here's the interesting thing. He gave the lunch not because it was his, he got it from someone else. His mom gave it to him. And the disciples, they gave the meal to Jesus, but they didn't make it. They got it from the boy. All of that is there to show us that God's the bread maker. We're just the bread winners. But there has to come a moment where you give the bread because God can't bless what you haven't given. There's a lot of people that don't understand why they're not walking in the fullness of God's promise in their life. And it's because they've never committed to tithe. If you don't commit to tithe, God can't bless what's not given. Well, pastor, if my finances were better, I would tithe. Let me tell you, you'll never have your finances be better until you tithe because God can't bless what's not given. And God can't multiply what hasn't been blessed. So he's trying to teach us to break the selfishness and to give of what we have because if we'll give of what we have, God will bless it. And once he blesses it, guess what? He multiplies it. And that's what happened because at the end of the story, watch what happens, at the end of the story, they collect 12 baskets. No. When we think of that, here's what we usually think. They're carrying around these big old baskets of bread. No, you know what that Greek word for basket is? It's a word which basically means a small little knapsack. It was a lunchbox. We started this whole story with the fact that the disciples were hungry. Do you realize that because the disciples gave the lunch... God gave every one of them a lunch in the end. There were 12 lunches left over. Maybe your best tasting lunch is on the other side of your generosity. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
the way he meets your need, the way he multiplies and blesses you is he has to bless what's given so that he can multiply what's blessed. Can you let that sink in for a minute? That's why as a church we're challenging you to make a commitment on those brochures. I wish I had time to go through all of it. We're helping missions overseas in Africa and Haiti. We're taking teams. You can go on a short-term missions trip if you want. Here locally in our city, we're helping the pregnancy center. We're helping the food bank. We're helping addiction ministries. We're doing all of these things to help people. We're helping Malachi Men, which is a prison ministry where 50 to 60 men meet every week. Men are getting saved in prison. They're getting baptized in trash cans because that's all they've got to use. That's happening because God will take our little. I have a lot to give, Pastor. The only thing I could do is quit getting a Frappuccino on Monday mornings and take that $6 every week and give it to missions. That's $24. That's all I can do. But God can't multiply what hasn't been blessed. And he can't bless to what hasn't been given. My heart and prayer is that everyone in this room, everyone joining us online, will say, God, if you're asking me to give my lunch, if there's something I can do, let me do it. Let me show up with sharing. And together, he'll take what we give. He'll multiply it. I want to end with this. Last week, I taught on show up with your story, show up with your generosity. And I talked about you can do it wherever you go. It could be in the soccer field, it could be at the football field, it could be at the school, it could be wherever. And so someone wrote me, actually told me this story, and I want to share it with you. I'm going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. What happened was, is this, this gentleman, he said, you know, Pastor, on Sunday I left, and normally I go home and I watch soccer, but... When I got home, the Holy Spirit just kept dealing with me about showing up. And so instead of watching soccer, I prayed. How many know that that's really God? If you pray instead of watch the football game. And then he said, and when I was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go to Ralph's. My wife was going shopping. How many know God's speaking if the men want to go shopping for groceries? All the men that understand that said amen. So he said, we got in the car, we went to Ralph's. When we got there, as soon as we walked in, I saw a couple, a young couple standing in the produce section. And he said, as I was standing there, the Holy Spirit kind of stirred my heart to say, they're struggling with a lot of confusion. And you need to pray over them. So he began to pray over them. And he felt like that the Lord wanted him to pray over them, that they would know that God loved them and God was with them. So he said, I came up with this idea. I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll buy their groceries. And when I buy their groceries then I can tell them that God loves them and he's with them. So he, he did one of these fleeces. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. He said, God, if they're at the checkout line, when I'm done shopping and they're in our line, I'll do it. Come on, anybody ever been there? So they went shopping and when it was over, guess who was in the line right in front of them? So they leaned forward and they said, hey guys, I know this is a little weird, but we just feel like we're supposed to buy your groceries today. And the people are like, no, you can't do that. We, you know, that's fine. Thank you. It's a kind gesture. And they start talking. They're like, no, we need to buy your groceries today. And they discovered in the conversation that they actually knew the girl. Their daughter had played soccer with her. 
So they finally convinced them to let them buy groceries and say, okay, well, this is so nice, thank you. And they said, as they were buying their groceries, they said, also, we want you to know something. We feel like God wants you to know that he's with you and that he loves you. They got done, they went into the car, they drove home, and when they got home, they told their daughter, hey, we, we saw this friend of yours from back when you were in school and when you played soccer together, and they told her the story, and the girl looked at her and said, Dad, did you know that I'm friends with her on Facebook? He said, no. He goes, wow. Well, a couple hours later, his daughter calls him and says, hey, Dad, I've got to send you what I just saw was posted by her on Facebook. And she wrote the following words. She said, to everyone who's out there, I want to share with you an amazing story that happened to me today. My boyfriend and I were at church, another church here in town. And when we left the church, I walked out of the church and I looked at my boyfriend and I said, I don't think I believe in God anymore. Because of all the trials that our family has gone through, because of all the horrible things that have happened, I don't believe in God anymore. My mom prays, my dad prays, my grandma prays every day, and it just doesn't seem like God hears or is answering any of their prayers. And the boyfriend looked at her and said, I can understand why you feel that way. I have nothing to answer to it. She said, and then we got in our car and we went to Ralph's. When we got to Ralph's, there was a couple that wanted to buy our groceries. And we said, no, you can't do that. But they insisted. They bought our groceries. And when they were done buying our groceries, they looked at us and said, we just want you to know that God told us that he is with you, he is for you, and that he loves you. And she said, my boyfriend and I, our bodies were filled with goosebumps all over. And she said, so I sat down today to all my 1,500 friends on Facebook to say to all of you who are out there who have lost hope and think that God doesn't love you, think that God isn't real, he is with you and he loves you. What would happen around the world if we just showed up at the grocery store in the classroom if we just showed up together with pledges to missions we're believing for 200,000 committed we were way below that from last weekend what if everybody showed up what could God do with what seems so small can I tell you everybody wants one of those stories Everybody wants one of those stories where we jump out of the boat and we walk on water. But here's the problem. You'll never walk on water until you get out of the boat. You'll never see something multiply until you give your lunch. Because the miracle is on the other side of our faith. And faith without works is dead. So what God's trying to get us to do is to look at what seems so insignificant and say, first of all, I acknowledge that this came from you because you're the bread maker. Secondly, I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide, that you're going to use me. So I'm going to give. I'm going to show up sharing. I'm going to show up generous. And then watch what God will do when we just show up.